It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. I've been kind of giddy for the last two days because I got several things going on that I'm going to briefly talk about. I got to move through this show pretty quickly because I got an appointment that's coming up. But I am headed to Disney World tomorrow. And y'all know how excited I get about hanging out with some Mickey Mouse and Donald like, Duck. It's not just the happiest place on earth. It's Brian Preston's yeah, I, happiest place on I really have a good earth. time down there. But then also there was a major purchase that um, I totally crooked the system. And I'm not going to talk about it in Don't detail. Don't say crooked the system. You I beat the system. I beat the system. You beat it. Inside the confines I am a of not master a haggler in finding alternative routes, and I bought something for a third of what I should have paid for it. So it, it makes me just almost tingly all over to know I saved the opportunity money. Because my wife had told me, by the way, we're buying this product. Go and do your worst. To that get, that made me panic. <laughs> and now that I found a solution that didn't freak me out, makes me feel good about it. But today's topic, by the way... Let me give you the intro. This is the Money Guy Show. I'm your host, Brian Preston. I'm joined by Mr. Bo Hansen, who sits across the way from me. I'm a, by day, we're actually a fee only financial planning firm. We have offices and let's get them all now because we've got, we're on the south side of Atlanta in McDonough, Georgia. We've also got our office in Augusta, Georgia. We've also got Nashville, Tennessee, and our most recent addition is Columbia, South Carolina. So we're pretty excited about that. We're doing the fee only financial planning. I'm a certified public accountant, certified financial planner and a personal financial specialist. And then, of course, Mr. Hansen is a certified financial planner as well, but he also holds the esteemed designation of Chartered Financial Analyst, which uh, many of you might not be super familiar with, but that's the one if you go look at your mutual fund manager, your hedge fund manager, and see what designation they have after their name, typically it's the CFA, so so kudos to that. But um, here's what we're going to be talking about today, and it's because one of the services we offer our clients if they ask us, is we'll help negotiate car purchases. And um, I just dealt with buying a BMW for a client. And, you know, so it's fresh on my mind because I had to go bring myself back up to speed. And I didn't even get complete. I'm, I apologize to Gabe and Carol. I You know, I usually give them a loose outline of what we're doing. I got a good ways through, and then I started running out of time. I said, heck, <laughs> we're going to wing it for the rest of this and hope that my knowledge carries us the rest of the way. Um I want to talk about car buying in general. And, and and before I do that, real quickly, I mean, the the elephant in the room for everybody right now is the government is shut down. Fortunately for you guys, we're not subsidized by the government, so we keep rocking and rolling, isn't it? We, we, we make that you 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 serve the community here oh, in town, so I, you are subsidized by the government a just a little bit. Of, a portion of the funds I receive is from my, my community <laughs> service as an elected official. But um, that, that really doesn't tie into the Money Guy show. So we'll continue <laughs> on with my thought process is that I think there's an unfortunate thing going on in Washington right now. And I, and I kind of can see both sides. I mean, President Obama, his marquee thing that kind of has made his presidency is that he's got this, you know, Affordable Health Care Act mm-hmm. that has come through. And, and, and whether you like it or dislike it, you got to understand the guy, this is his thing. Um, so he's not going to be too quick to move off the box on that. Right. And then you've got the Republicans who never really loved it, and this is their card. And, and Boehner has been – he's been thrown in the timeout chair so many times by his own party and other groups that I think this is his custard's last stand to a degree. So you've got very hard personalities that are hardened, and unfortunately, we're all paying the price for it. I have a friend who's for business traveling up to D.C., his family is slated to meet him tomorrow so they could go tour. 
a bunch of the great sites and do other things in D.C. What horrible! <laughs> I mean, seriously, horrible. Not, not the best time to be up there. But right um, now. I'm I'm hoping because what I hate, and we read an article on this, is that relationships have seemed to have left Washington. I mean, we all deal with personalities we don't like. We all deal with people who have different worldviews and different perspectives. And and I feel like Washington has realized it's kind of the same thing the news media has realized. Crisis works better than having relationships. If you want to become famous, if you want to become super popular, go exploit the fringes of something versus trying to find that common ground in the middle. And I'm, I, I would love to see some responsibility come from that. But here's the thing, and what, how do you take this and, and, and parlay that to what happens to your back pocket and your personal finances? Hunker down. I don't see this being a super quick resolution. Now, we're not publishing this podcast until tomorrow. Who knows? They might very well may come up with a deal. But my thought is, and talking to some of the political insiders I know, is both parties are hunkered down in their ditches or foxholes, whatever you want to call it, and they're not coming out. So this this could stick around for a little bit. Um, don't let that freak you out because government definitely has a play in our economy. But they don't drive everything, ultimately. And, and let's put a little bit of it in perspective. That that item you bought that you got a third for, were you not going to buy it because the government shut down? The the new iPhones that came out in the past few weeks, are people not going to purchase those because the government shut down? Absolutely not. So I think there are some still some good things going on out there that at least help the financial markets, irrespective of kind of what, what the government's doing. Yeah, but you just have to insulate yourself from the negative news that's going to be coming. Because the, the news media is licking their chops on this thing, too. I mean, when I watch the morning shows every every day getting ready for work, they're almost giddy to a degree. Because, I mean, it is that whole cycle of new crisis has come up, and it, it's fun to move through it. So I just want to tell you that. Hang in there. The markets might be a, a pretty choppy, somewhat volatile during this period of time. It seems like every year now at the end of the, the fourth quarter is going to be that way because of all these, you know, deadlines that, that are looming and, and hanging over us. But just, you'll, you'll be all right. The sky's not falling outside. We're going to make it through this. Now let's get back to buying automobiles. The first thing I wanted to kind of talk about, you have to understand some basics. I thought about doing some music, but after we did so much music the last show, I was like, no, can't go back to that well this quickly. So, but I came up with understand cars, one size does not fit all. Right. Um, I was reading, there is a, a, a financial personality, I think the world of, and I was reading his take on, on, on automobiles and I didn't completely agree, but I didn't disagree. It's just, but I felt like he was kind of capturing the, the car personality of one group of people. And I think we all are biased to a degree towards what we like. And I think that's what's fallen. He's got his bias towards what he typically does. I've got my bias. And I've tried to kind of, since I've recognized that, step out and name all the different personalities, at least the ones I could think of while I was doing the show notes. And, and this is what I came up with. We all have different car buyer and car behavior on the way we use this vehicle. Mm -hmm. Um I like to call myself, what's funny is the way I wrote this down in the show notes. I wrote the miser. The miser. And I was like, that's me. But then I was like, well, that has a negative connotation because miser, if you go look it up in the definite, you know, look it up in the dictionary, not going to be a positive connotation to the miser because it's like that. It's Ebenezer Scrooge. Maybe, maybe frugal would be well, a better no, word. I, I marked through it, drew a line through it, and I said, the money master. The, okay, well, the money go. master personality. And Carol gave me a courtesy laugh. I like that. Um, this is the type of person, including myself, who drives a car for at least 10 years. We buy a vehicle, and then we're locked down That's in that right. thing. 
Um, we cuss about it doesn't have the greatest technology. We wish it had more technology, but man, we're not we, willing to go pay more to get that. We technology. love driving that paid for car. There is nothing that that car is paid off. It drives so smooth. I mean, it really does. So that's the money master, aka the miser, tight wide. Um, and, and I fit into that, but I think you do too. Absolutely. I think a lot of us, a lot of our clients fit into that yeah, as do. well. Um, there's the George Jefferson. Do we, do, do young people even know who George Jefferson is anymore? Yeah, well, wasn't he one of the, he was former president of the United States, right? Was that not, is you're, that not you're, right? you're being funny, I hope, right? <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Moving on moving up. Moving on up. Uh, moving on up. You know, that's what, um, George Jefferson, he would have strike me as a personality. I made these names up, so there's no, you're not benchmarking this off of anything. Um, <laughs> They're the type of person that trades a car in every two to three years. Okay. Now, I, I feel like I need to give a disclaimer because somebody might go, George Jefferson, and, and you very well might be listening to this podcast, and you're a client of mine, and you're a George Jefferson type, and you're like, I can't believe Brian's cussing me on this. <laughs> and, and I'm not because I do have a number of my clients who are successful enough in life that they're car people. This what? is their thing. They love having the latest and greatest mm-hmm. new cars. And, you know, that's their their one they derive utility yeah, from they, it, right? Well, they place I don't, value I don't know. on that. I think, I think it's the thing. You know, we all have something that like, whew, that's pretty cool. You know, and, and cars is that for some people. So the George Jefferson tends to trade their car, trade their car in every two to three years. So you just have to recognize that's a personality type. There's the drive it until the wheels fall off type. And that's not necessarily because they're the, the money master. That's your sales reps. That's your sales reps who are putting 40 to 70,000 miles a year on the vehicle. Just because their job requires right. them to, and, and you, if you're that type of person who knows you have a vehicle that's going to have forty to seventy thousand miles on it, you've got to recognize you're a little different than somebody who you know you're not going to be able to drive a car for ten years more than likely because that, just, it's doing it's a lot. Just, it's just not. It's just not going to probably be realistic. Um, so you, the what I try to give the guidance of is determine what auto personality you are. What your needs are, you know, how it fits into that personality type, and then how much you can afford. Absolutely. The third was the big one. Well, and, and, and you know, it's funny you say that, Bo, because you haven't even seen my show notes, no. but I wrote, most importantly, somehow <laughs> I didn't read that part out, but I wrote, most importantly, how much you can afford. Because, and it is, cars are one of those things, I think it's because we grow up in such a, a marketing society that... The, all the, you know, and even Bo's doing the, this, the, the commercial I always talk about is, and I don't, I haven't seen it in years, but if you probably go on YouTube, you could find it. The old Volkswagen commercial where a, a Volkswagen Beetle looks like a pimple on a guy's forehead, but then every morning he's eating his bowl of cereal or something. The thing keeps getting bigger and bigger. And that is the way cars, they kind of take over because we all have, I, I've even told the funny story. I had this false, False understanding of how automobiles worked when I was 15 years of age. Um, I thought when I turned 16 and I got the Chevy Cavalier, affectionately known as the Ragalier, that um, that was by the way like 14 years old when I got this thing. Had a the color was described as rust by by my wife when she met me in this car back in college. But when I got this car at 16, and when I used to think about it when I was 15, I was like, man, when I get 16, girls are gonna be all over me because I got a car. Oh yeah, that's the way it works. If you're a young person listening to it, that's the way it works. No, no, that's not the way it works. That's what you think. That's what you think. There's a difference between works and think because um, I turned 15. I mean, I turned 16. The girls weren't lining up, guys. I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I don't know where this false impression came from. I blame it on the media, the the marketing, but um, and it, they didn't like it when I put all the 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 two thousand dollars. Well, I didn't have two thousand dollars worth of when I bought the five six hundred dollars worth of rims. The tinted windows. I, I mean, I had a thousand dollar car with three thousand dollars on it. It was the biggest waste of money. I learned a lot from that. But 
I'm just telling you, understand, know what you can afford with your vehicle. Um, and, and this is going to help you determine, because there's three ways you can really deal with the cars. Well, I guess there's four if you give somebody to give them to you, but right. there's not many people that their cars are just like, hey, you want a new car? You know, it just doesn't happen. But most of the, the three primary ways you can buy new, you can buy used, or you can lease. Mm-hmm. So I was going to briefly talk about the two that I'm not going to cover today, which is leasing and buying used. Um, let's first talk about leasing. You know, any car transaction, whether it's used, new, or leasing, is really made up of three components. And the three components, you know, y'all have probably seen this. This has been talked about in a number of articles. Other advisors have talked about it. Three components are ownership. Mm-hmm. You know, that's your equity and what you own in the car. There's the depreciation that you, Lord knows we all know about the depreciation. You hear the, the, the old saying, drive the car off the, the parking lot, typically loses 20, 30% of its value right there. Don't know if that's completely true, but that's what we're all told. And then lastly is that interest. You know, so there, those, those are the three components that go into a car transaction. So if you are leasing, you, you, you have to understand that the car company and the dealership, when they're trying to lease you a vehicle, they have to make some assumptions. They have to try to figure out, okay, the car is worth $30,000 a day. We're going to let this guy have this car for three years. What's it going to be worth three years from now when he trades this thing in? Because when I say lease, what they ought to call it, and I think they ought to put stickers on the back of cars so because so, it would make it much more realistic. It's really a long-term rental car. Right. That's what you're renting bar- a car is what borrowed. you're doing when yep. you lease. So when you go to your dealership to pick up your long-term rental car, um, you, you, what they're trying to figure out when they're structuring the deal is that car is worth thirty thousand dollars today. In three years, is it going to be worth eighteen thousand? Is it going to be worth twenty thousand? Is it going to be worth twenty-five thousand? They have to kind of make up a number mm-hmm. or make their best guess of what it is. And this is where you have to understand this when you look at leases. If they give you a high residual value, meaning they think when you trade it in three years, it's going to be worth a lot of money still right. because it held its value. That's good for you as a leasee because you're not paying much for the rent side of it because it didn't lose much value. The depreciation wasn't there. And since you don't never, when you lease, you don't have equity. You're renting the car. So there's no equity. So you take that completely out of the equation so that that you're only really paying for the interest of holding it and then just that loss of value from the two different numbers that they come up with. Um, I have a question. You may not know the answer. When they do that residual value, is that based off of the automobile or based off of the lessee? So that, are they no, based it's based off, off the automobile. Off the automobile, okay. Yeah, but, but here's the thing. There's two different types of leases, and this is why luxury vehicles typically are your better vehicles to lease, is that they will sometimes when – you usually – you especially see this when cars are about to change their body style. Mm-hmm. The year before a car company changes their body style, they will come up with – they don't want to leave the dealers stuck with tons of inventory. So they will subsidize – these they will subsidize these these cars heavily to to try to give very low low lease rates to people who want to take them. Um, I also you know and, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but I would tell you some of the cars like this BMW that I just negotiated for a car. This is the first BMW I've ever negotiated. I've realized I've always I've, I probably would never do it, but I had this dream in my mind that at some point I was going to own an M series convertible. Right. Really thought you know that's when I make it. I'm going to go reward myself. Now, I said the same thing when I was 16. I said, when I turn 25 and my insurance rates go down, I'm going to go buy a Corvette. <laughs> I turned 25 and I was like, there's no way I want a Corvette. And I'm sure the same thing would happen when I meet that Shangri-La number of what I consider financially independent when I thought I was going to go buy my M-series convertible. Right. 
I probably wouldn't do it because I'm too much of a tightwad. But nonetheless, I had this in my mind. I don't like how BMW negotiates. You know, I've always considered myself a very good negotiator. And that's why I have bought new cars in the past is because I can go beat the heck out of them mm-hmm. and get it down, know my numbers, and get rewarded for that research. BMW pretty much. And we, we've been able to do that with luxury cars, too. We've done that we with Lexus before. Lexus, Infiniti, and Acura. Mm-hmm. But um, this is our first BMW purchase. And it, it was very much, and now there wasn't a ton of inventory of this one particular model I was looking for. But if it was an inventory, he'd give me 5% off sticker. If I had a special order, it's 3% off sticker. And that's it. Right. And I, I called around. I even called a credit union connection. I called multiple dealerships. I said, just beat the deal. Just beat the deal. Come on. You can beat the deal. It's free money. Nobody wanted to touch the deal. And it showed me that they just have a lot going through. So a car company like that that's not discounting their cars that much, Maybe a lease does make sense right. for those people. I would never lease, though, because I just don't like the fact there's no equity. That that bothers me. Oh, and you drive a car for a long period of time. You're not trading cars every two So my personality, years. my car personality changes. But we do have clients. The George Jefferson type would be a perfect person. If you're going to if you're going to trade your car in every two to three years, maybe a lease does work as long as it fits within the confines of the mileage and the other things. Um, i got to move on a little bit quicker here. Used cars. Used cars, really dollar for dollar, they're the easiest way to lower the negative impact, the negative long-term impact of what cars can do to your long-term personal finances. Um, it, it's it's very easy. They, you know, I also tell people look at the brands. Like I like large domestic SUVs. Don't buy that new. Right. Go go look at the used marketplace on large domestic SUVs. They're real popular, really cool. They don't change the body styles a ton. Perfect opportunity because they have a lot of depreciation on the front end. Go look at that. Brand manufacturers that have, you can go find depreciation by brand on automobiles and any of them that have high depreciation rates, initial depreciation rates, no way in heck you should buy that car right. new. Um, now, the alternative is there are car manufacturers that have great residual. I mean, they hold their value. Those are the ones you might want to go to the new side of things if you're great at negotiating, and we're going to give you those skill sets. Um, if you're the drive the wheels type off, the sales rep, you don't need to be buying new cars. That right. would be, a, and you don't need to be buying new luxury anything or used luxury. A guy who's going to drive the wheels off the car needs to probably be buying something that gets great gas mileage, has known for its reliability, probably not, cost. probably not big on creature comforts. Right. I mean, that, it's the truth of the matter. You have to let that personality of your vehicle use drive the decision right. to a large degree. Now, let's jump into buying a new car. Gabe, I think you had a good learning experience because I kind of showed you how OCD I am about researching stuff. And, and it, here's, what, here's, what, here's what you do. First, you got to know, and we'll go through this step by step. First, know what you want. And I mean really know what you want. I mean, you need to know color, options, make, model. Uh, you got to get, you got to have this thing tied down exactly. And if you're flexible, that's even better because we can get you a better price if you're flexible. But know what you want. And test drive, and to f- help figure that out, you do want to drive the car around. You know, you can go rent a car for a day if you can find that out, but don't do any negotiation in person. So when you go do those test drives, don't fall sucker for going inside. Just, you know, work out how you can test drive without doing any negotiations whatsoever. If you need to bring a buffer person with you that can have a, 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 a an emergency or an appointment or something to get you out of there, do what you have to, but you do not want to be in person. That takes out the theater. Um, I do all my negotiations over the phone or through the email or the internet because you want to take out the theater. The last thing you want to do is be pulled into their office, their cubicle or whatever they have. They have the picture of their kids hanging up. 
picture of their family. You know, they, they give you some sob story about how, I don't know, they played athletics, but, you know, and they thought they were going pro, but then, you know, somebody had, a, you know, some health issue and they give you some sob story. It takes that theater out. It also takes the uncomfortable theater of that, you know, un- pauses. You're standing across the table from somebody. We all just socially can't stand silence. Right. When you're in sales transactions, silence is one of your best friends for negotiating. So if you do this all through the phone or the internet, it takes out all that theater. Right. And, and that's just stay away from it. Don't do it in person. So the next step, step three, kind of after you know what you want to step one, number two is don't do any discussions in person. Step three is get an understanding of the market. And when I say by getting an understanding of the market, this is where I think I, I really gave Gabe an education is that I tell, I sent him to Edmonds.com. Here's step one. Go to Edmonds.com. If you go under what's hot, there's a tab in the upper, you know, they have a toolbar up at the top. Go to under what's hot. They will then have a, a tab, you know, you scroll down to car forms. Every manuf- every make model has a form. I guess if you're buying a Lamborghini, maybe it's not there, right. but most of your normal brands have a car form. You, as soon as you click the car form and to pull up your make and model, They'll have a, a, a forum's title called Prices Paid and Buying Experience. Click on that. Start scrolling through there. Take note and pay attention to where the cheap cars are being sold. Like on this BMW, it looked like up in New Jersey is the best place to be buying a BMW right now because we found really good pricing out of New Jersey. The reason I tell you, even though it might be completely in a different part of the country than where you are, you want to know the zip code or the area where that cheap car buying is occurring because then the next step is, after you kind of know what cars are selling for and where the cheap places are, you can go, I use Consumer Reports, but Consumer Reports is powered by TrueCar, which you can go to TrueCar.com. Um, you use this website to really go in and type in, figure out exactly what the bottom line or kind of ground floor of where you ought to start the negotiations from on the vehicle. Because you can put the color, you can put the options, you can um, you know really put all the little things in there to know what the MSRP on that vehicle is going to be and then what you should consider paying for it and how much that is off of the sticker. Usually, you know, 6%, 10%, 12%. It will give you some guidance on how much of a discount you're going to be able to get off the vehicle. Now, the reason I told you that you need to pay attention to what the regions of the country where those cheap cars are coming from is that you can, if you can determine the zip code for that dealership, where are those cheap cars are coming out of? You can when you go into True Car, it's going to ask you your zip code before it gives you the pricing in your area. Right. You can use your zip code in the beginning to see what things are going for in your area, but then you can go back and type in the zip code for that region of the country where the cars are going much cheaper to see how much cheaper you can get it down just by typing in that zip code. Then you're able to to print from True Car that makeup of that car. You have something in print that will show what they say you should be able to get the vehicle for. And even though it might not be in your neck of the woods where you could get that price, you've now got something you could fax, email to the, the dealerships, you know, saying, hey, yeah, I can get it for this. Yeah. yeah, this is what's out there. Can you match this? The next thing is that, it's that, that concept that so many people out in the world, especially our politicians don't understand, as I picked on Washington earlier, is that annoying thing called supply and demand. Um, you have to have inventory on your vehicle mm-hmm. to get a good deal. Yep. D- that that super annoying supply and demand concept really just gets in the way of getting great great deals because if you have a vehicle that there's only two in the entire southeast, it's probably not going to get. That's that what happened with the BMW. There was only two in the entire southeast and not going to get a great deal on that vehicle. But if you do a search, then there's a number of them. 
Holy cow. Now you're you you licking your child. I mean, I get excited point. when I find out. And your best ones, I mean, the ones we've had a lot of success for, your Toyotas, your Hondas, those things are coming over in boatloads. And, and they're good cars, mm-hmm. and they're coming over in huge inventory, and they usually come in in, in, in packages. Right. And, and that's the other thing I, I tell you. Be flexible with your packaging. Because I remember when I, when I first started buying you know, my first new car from my, my wife, I, I didn't want anything on that thing except for the upgraded sound system. I'm a typical man. You know, I didn't, she still cusses at me about that car I bought for her years ago because I didn't put any options on it but hardly. Basically had the, the, uh, roll you know, down she window. wanted leather seats. I got cloth seats put on that bad boy, but it had a booming sound system on it. You'd have been so impressed. It had the upgraded wheel package on it too. So I put mag wheels. I was still 16, I think, obviously, when I bought this car, but, but she, she complained about that. But, I, but what I quickly realized, cars come packaged a certain way. Um, so you can't just say, give me this. Usually if you want this upgrade, like the upgrade sound, you have to buy this preferred package here, this package here. They don't let you just choose one or two options right, at a time. Right. You have to, they come certain ways. So make sure you understand that because you're going to re- quickly realize, especially those mass cars like the Accords, the Camrys, they're going to come over in three to five different ways, and that's it. It's mm-hmm. not going to be like a bunch of different variations. And then you can watch you. And here's the part where it gets fun. I always tell people, go find all the dealerships in your state or in your area where you're willing to drive. Yeah. If you're willing to drive 25 miles within 25 miles, find out how many dealers there are. Find out their zip codes. And then um, you can either go to, and it's changing. Everyone's a little different. A lot of you can go to those actual dealers' websites now, and they will have their inventory listed on their websites. Now, be careful that they're not grabbing other dealerships', dealerships inventory. inventory as well, because some of them will do that. They will. They they are all attached to the same databases. You want to make sure they have that car on the lot. Cars that are on their lot, they're going to be willing to sell you a lot cheaper than one they have to go negotiate from another dealership to get them to bring them to them. Right. So if you can figure out, and that's why you can't just type in your zip code or when you're doing searches. Like if you go to Honda.com or some of these other dealership manufacturer websites and type in your zip code, they'll tell you your most recent dealership or they'll show you most recent the inventory in your area, but it's going to be the dealership right next to you right. or closest to you. That's why you have to know where these dealerships are and hunt out the inventory. Because in the reason you're hunting out inventory is you're trying to find at least two really gravy if you can find three dealers with the exact same car. If they can have the exact same car, all you do is you call their... And a lot of times on their website now, they've gotten smart. They have an internet shopping manager or somebody who deals exclusively with online pricing or telephone sales. And you'll call the front desk if they don't have a phone number on their website for that special person. Um, you know, and just say who's who's in charge of your internet sales, and they'll send you over to to whoever that market, and just say, hey, I noticed y'all have this vehicle. It's this one here on your website. It's listed under this this you know VIN number or whatever. Give what me your best you price. Me, yeah. I'm buying a car. Just say, hey, I'm buying a car. Um, you know, what can you do it for me? And they're going to ask you because the purchase is made up of are you financing? Are you paying cash? You know, what's just keep it very vague on that. Say, I don't know. You know, I have, I'm keeping my options open because they're going to try to squeeze every ounce of profit. You want to get the deal done before you do the other part. So make sure you keep your options open. Even if you're planning on paying cash, don't tell them that. No, or if no. you have financing lined up over at a credit union or some other, you know, location, don't tell them that either. And, keep and your you options get, open. You want to get your drive out price. That's the price you're going for. You don't want it, you want them to go and include everything in there so you know the actual dollar figure that you're paying total, tax, tag, title, everything, yeah, right? It, it, completely. I mean, that's a great point because even on this BMW purchase, 
after we, Lord knows we couldn't get a great deal. It really drove me crazy because I love getting clients great, great deals. He tried to put on there some etching package where they etched the VIN number. Uh, I can't even remember where, but, you know, I think under the hood, under the trunk, under the doors, you know, I guess all the parts that the, the crooks want to steal. I was like, look, this client keeps this thing in the garage, probably drives five miles a, radi- <laughs> a radius to five miles. This thing is not going to get stolen. So, you know, it was all it was, it was a moneymaker. You know, it's the old undercoating that right, you, my right. dad used to talk about the undercoating that they try to sell you. So you do want to know drive out. But if, if you can figure out the inventory, then call each of those dealerships and tell them to give you a price. Now, realize these guys are salesmen. They do this on a day-to-day basis. So they are killers. They're not your friends, even as friendly as they are. And I'm sure they're nice guys. If you want to go, I had one in my Sunday school class, a super nice guy, but they do this. And this, they're hunting. They're on a hunting expedition. So don't let them try to pull you aside on the whole price. Say, I want my bottom line price. Get me the bottom line and then we'll talk. And what you're hoping, and I still remember, I had bought a Toyota Highlander. That thing was the best purchase ever because after I did this for a while, one of the dealerships called me up and says, look, Brian, we got some incentives, some uh, some promotional stuff we're trying to get from the manufacturer. I'm going to take this deal off the table right now. How about if I sold it to you for this and I'll throw this in? And he went up like a full $800 to $1,000 less than all the other prices. And and I still can't figure, to this day, I can't figure out how he sold the car to me that cheap because it was below invoice because that's the other thing, great thing about true, uh, you, go, you can go find on the internet what the invoice pricing is, which is supposedly what the dealership pays. Right. But realize they get their revenue not only from what they're paying for that car, but they also have volume, volume incentives, yeah. um, you know, that th- th- come back to them from the manufacturer. So they it very well could be at the end of a month. And sometimes at the end of the month, you can get better pricing. They're trying to close out an incentive deal with the manufacturer. They're willing to actually take a loss on some vehicles if they can tell that you're not the type of guy they can squeeze some profit out of. They'll take you for the number. Right. And that's what you're hoping that you can deal, get those deals. That Highlander deal. I bought that car for $23,500, had a $30,000 sticker. I wrecked it, or my, my wife wrecked it, five, six years it in the future. A, it was a number of years paid in the off. future. I got $16,700 from the insurance company for a car that I paid $23,000 for, and I drove it for like six years. I still, I'm like, that is the best car ever. I, I, I mean, if I could, I'd go give that car a big hug right now because it <laughs> served very well. But um, we're, we're out of time. I hope I did. I, fl- I flew th- through this. I don't know if I gave through all the little details because I got some OCD things I do when I'm shopping for cars. But I think I gave you the gist of how to really set yourself up. This was kind of a boot camp run you through the drill really quickly. But if you do this, you will be a monster shopper. They will know, hey, this guy did his homework. Let's get him a good deal. That's what you want to walk in there and want them to feel like. So thank you for joining us. Please check us out. Twitter, Gabe doing a great job on our Twitter feed. We've also got Facebook. When I go on Disney, I have a tendency, they, they put pictures to try to make me look like an idiot up on the internet. So you're welcome to, to check in from time to time. Last time, I think I had a fanny pack and some sandals on. And oh, got... let's be for real. I like you're not going to have a fanny pack this time. <laughs> fanny pack and cargo shorts all the way, baby. It's function over form, bud. It's function <laughs> over form when you're with the family. I'm, I'm a commando of getting fast passes and all the other good stuff that you can down at Disney. So check us out, money-guy.com. I'm your host, Brian Pressey. You can write the show at Brian, B-R-I-A at money-guy.com. You can also write Bo, that's B-O, at money-guy.com. We'll talk to you in about two weeks, and I'm sure I'll throw in some Disney love at that point. Talk to you soon. Bye. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston, and Brian Preston is a partner with Preston & Cleveland Wealth Management. 
Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.